0: Wait a, minute, wait a minute! Hear this. Powered by the Sales IQ Network. This is the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Presidenti, and each week we'll be going on a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the best sales professional you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more pipeline and win more deals. just like that, the clock's ticked over and it's February in 2022. Wow, time is going fast. And I'm really excited about this month because this month on the Sales IQ podcast, it's all about prospecting. Now, we changed the format of the show this year. We wanted to change it up, right? We've been around for a few years and we wanted to change it up. And this year, we got themes. Each month, we focus on a particular theme. And within that theme, we have multiple pieces of content that really build that theme and bring it to life. In the month of January, it was all about mindset. Because as we know, in sales, mindset is crucial. Mindset is what's going to help us work through all the challenges that we can encounter each and every day. Now, mindset is not something we just do once and we stop. We have to be focusing on this. This should be our number one focus every single day because there are just things that happen that we can't control. And there are things that can impact us in a negative way if we're not careful. And we need to be able to reframe that and make sure we see the positive out of every single situation. And we learn from every situation so that we can be the very best we can be. And there were some great episodes. I mean, the Larry Long Jr. episode was awesome. He brought the energy. Ian, he brought some incredible thoughts around you know, thinking about a life as a sales professional, and even the episode with Craig, and looking at what high performance is, and and how you can really create that high performance mentality. But for this month, the month of prospecting, this is going to be an incredible month, and I'm hoping that you take this month to really set yourself, set yourself some objectives, aim for the stars. We went through goal setting last month as well, so really think about what do you want to be achieving this year? And from a prospecting perspective, what do you need to be doing? What is your activity metrics need to be so that you can not just meet your target, but exceed your target? And if you want the sales calculator, if you want the sales plan template, we'll put in the show notes where you can access it. We'll actually pop that into the show notes so that you can access the sales tools and a whole bunch of other tools in our sales iq community so we'll make sure we put that in the show notes for you to access because these are things that you can do immediately that's going to give you a clear defined roadmap on how you can achieve the prospecting targets that you need to achieve that will ultimately lead to you achieving your end result this podcast is brought to you by the Create Pipeline Program from Sales IQ Global. This program will equip you with the skills, tools, and confidence to run an outbound strategy, so you can generate more qualified opportunities and close more deals. Hear what Ellis from DocuSign has been able to achieve since joining the program and our incredible community. So, my name's Ellis, and um, I work at DocuSign as an EBR. And the, the reason I started Sales IQ was because I really needed that that guidance and that training to make sure that the outreach that I was doing was hitting the nail on the head. So I was lucky enough to to start the program um, early on in in this role. And um, since then I've been pretty successful and last quarter I finished on 185%. So um, I've seen some huge results by adopting the principles. Our next cohort is starting soon, so to learn more, go to www.salesiqglobal.com, or if you have a team of sellers, talk to us about our in-house offering. Control your pipeline, control your destiny with SalesIQ. We're starting the prospecting block with Paul Riley, who's going to talk about how you can prospect through tough times. Now, we're going into kind of year three. Who would have friggin' thought that we'd be going into three years of this madness? The pandemic, the gift that keeps on giving. But the reality is we are still going through some turbulent times. And the unintended consequence of this whole sort of process that we're going through, it's creating additional challenges. We've got labor challenges. We've got supply chain issues. You know, the working from home sort of model is... Is still in place. And I think, you know, that we're never going to go back to work full time, but there will be a time where we have some sort of hybrid work model. But there are a whole lot of challenges that we are experiencing at the moment. And as sellers, that can impact us in a negative way. What I love about this episode is Paul's going to talk about how you can reframe things, how you can look at, how you can look at challenges as an opportunity, how you can reframe things and really look at things and go, well, actually, just because it's a challenge might create some dissatisfaction within the customers or the prospects that I'm talking to within their current suppliers. And that dissatisfaction can create an opportunity for me. And that's what's awesome about this episode, because this episode's really going to make you think a little bit differently when it comes to prospecting and how you can capitalize on a challenging market, how you can turn the challenge that exists in a market into an opportunity and really own that opportunity when it comes to prospecting. So this is a great episode and we have some killer episodes coming up this month for prospecting, both strategy and tactics that's going to allow you to create more qualified pipeline for yourself. So I can't wait to get into this episode. And as I said before, jump into the show notes Check out the Sales IQ community because it's got some pretty cool tools, tips, a whole lot of content there that'll help you be the very
1: best you can be. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, Luigi. Thanks for having me. I'm
0: uh, really thrilled to have you on, mate. And uh, especially after one of our great friends, Mike Weinberg, you know, binged a whole bunch of his podcasts one day and listening to your podcast, I actually listened to it twice. I, I enjoyed it that much. So thank you for, for coming on our podcast today.
1: Absolutely. No, I was, you know, it's interesting, uh, Luigi, listening to Mike's podcast, you know, we all we all have bad days, right? You know, where we just we find it hard to to keep pushing through and all that. When he launched the podcast, I was having kind of a eh, kind of a bad day. And I listened to it and it charged me back up. You know, it's it's like the old saying that the plumber is the last to fix his own pipes. And and that day, I needed to hear the message. So and I'm thrilled to hear you say that. And I'm thrilled to be here as well.
0: Yeah, no, thanks, man. And I actually look and, and we'll pop, we'll make sure we pop the show notes and we'll put a link to Mike's for that particular episode. But I just sure. love the way that you frame things up when it came to the way you looked at things. And I think, you know, obviously you can talk, talk to us a bit about, you know, your book and stuff, but I think for any seller, any salesperson or sales professional listening to this episode knows that selling through tough times is real, right? We've really experienced a very sure. turbulent past couple of years. But before we get into that topic, I would love to for you to share with our listeners a bit more about yourself and how you started in the world of sales.
1: Oh yeah, uh, so sales, gosh, I my first sales job was actually when I was 16 years old, I was selling uh, car washes. So I sold car washes for the local company called Waterway here in uh, St. Louis. And I sold, you know, I, my goal was to try to sell the customer on the best possible wash for their vehicle. Now, obviously, we're getting a lot of high-end cars running in there, you know, your Mercedes, your your BMWs, everything. And it, it was really, I found to be a thrilling experience talking to customers, understanding what they want, and then selling them on the dream, you know, the right car wash, you know, whatever it was. I really loved the experience. And so, from an early age, I, I do believe I had a knack for it. When I got into college, I sold jewelry. After that, I sold painting services. Actually, I launched a painting company in college. Didn't make a lot of money, but I learned a lot of lessons on how to how to run a business, which was great. But you know, I think that the thing that really drew me to sales initially was the fact that you control your own destiny. It is the greatest meritocracy in the world. You are paid what you are worth. The harder you work, the more successful you can be, it is. It, it, it's such a rewarding experience. Even to this day, you know, today I had a couple of calls with clients, great calls, closed a couple of you know nice deals. Yep, I love that feeling. I, I it's addicting to me. It truly is addicting. So I, I absolutely love it. I'm passionate about sales. I'm a salesperson at heart, and and I, I don't see that changing. I just don't see it changing. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, right? I think if you ever
0: as a sales pro, right, that feeling you get when you, you've you worked with a client, you've worked really hard and mm-hmm. you arrive at that point of decision, it's such an awesome feeling. It's not the commission check. It's not the fact that you're going to get paid for it. It's, it's just a great feeling knowing that, you know, you created something from now and I've always said, if the day ever comes where I lose that feeling, it's time for me to get a new job. It's time for me to change professions because that's, what, that's why we do what we do, right? It's yeah. That, that sense of satisfaction that we've put the hard work in to get a
1: particular outcome. Yep, it's even better when, you know, when you're going up against a, a worthy competitor, you know, like one of your really good competitors that you, you know, you, perhaps you got a good relationship with them, but you win, right? You beat them, that, I mean, that even fuels the fire even more, right? It's, it's yeah. exciting.
0: And that competitive element, and, and, and last month for, for a lot of our listeners, we really focused on the mindset of a sales mm-hmm. professional and what it takes to really be, you know, make 20, 2022 the best year yet. And that competitive nature is such an important element when it comes to, to sales, you know, professionals and not just about beating your colleagues, but like you mm-hmm. said, beating your competition, but ultimately beating yourself, you know, doing right today a little bit better than what you did yesterday and just improving a little bit each and every day. So mate, I would love to talk because obviously in a in a in a challenging marketplace, in an environment where, you know, we have experienced the last 2 years has been incredibly tough. This <laughs> whole pandemic, it seems like it's a gift that keeps on no matter how far we progress, we kind of right. find that something else happens and it it impacts the market in a certain way. What from a, from your perspective and you've all you know a book about this stuff but mm-hmm. what can sellers do to really prospect during tough times so that they can own their own destiny and take back control in in a very turbulent marketplace
1: yeah what what a great question you know when you when you think about it yeah we're still in the midst of this you know i equate where we're at with this pandemic it's it's similar to going on a on a car trip right maybe a 12 hour car trip and and you're right at the end of the trip, right? You, you have, you know, maybe 10 kilometers left, you know, a few miles left. And then you hit a two hour traffic jam. We're, we're in that two hour traffic jam right now. We're just, we're almost there. We're almost finished, but we just got to keep hanging on. You know, when I, I think about what sellers can do during these, during these times, there's, there's a few things that we need to stop doing. All right. And and we need to start with that. You know, when you're trying to make positive behavioral change in your life, it can only happen when you stop doing the negative things and embrace some of the new positive habits. One thing that I hear quite a bit from from salespeople, and there's no easy way to say this. Too many salespeople whine and complain. There's a lot of self pity out there where people are feeling sorry for themselves. You know, we don't have enough product to sell, we don't have enough people to support. There's a lot of complaining. And and I understand that. And complaining isn't always a bad thing because people that complain are still passionate enough to care about, about their profession. So I get that. And I'm not sitting here telling you I never complain, but too much complaining, too much self-pity, it does no good for us. And and I would ask the the listeners all right, to think about this question. When's the last time you felt better after feeling sorry for yourself? Can, can you think of a time in your life where you complained and you took the poor me mindset, and then you actually felt better afterwards. You won't be able to find an example of that. You know, so it, stopping the self-pity, and, and that means we just have to embrace what we're going through and find a way to move forward. But going hand in hand with that, we also need to make sure that we are creating a nice positive environment for ourselves. We, you know, in, in the book, we call this either positive mental programming or positive environmental programming. Positive mental programming is about retraining our brain to find the opportunity and the struggle. It's retraining our brain to find the positive when we experience negative events. And and one thing I would encourage sellers to do is to positively reframe any negative event that happens throughout the day, all right? Positive reframing is simply looking at the negative event and identifying the positive outcome that can come from that negative event. Doing that little thing is gonna eventually train your, your, your brain to, just automatically find the positive in the negative and through tough times, you're going to experience plenty of negative events. You're going to experience plenty of setbacks. So, so just finding that that positive outcome will keep you focused on looking for those, right? We, we have the tendency, tendency to find what we're looking for. Right? So why not look for the positive? So, you know, there's a a couple ideas. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think
0: you're absolutely right. Like there's, there's a lot of things we can't control, but we can, Mm Control the response that we have when 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 things happen, and you know from for, again, I think because what I, what I often find is talk to sellers and about you know, prospecting, and they're saying, "Oh, I haven't got enough opportunities in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Things are happening in my customers." I can sometimes hear excuses as to why they're not prospecting and why they're not creating pipeline, and then right. that's having some down you know downstream impact on their pipeline because then the deals that they do have they don't want to lose them and in some cases they're being quite reactive. and that emotion started to kick in and that fear of loss and they're coming across as, as a little bit desperate right because they need those deals to close because they don't have enough in the back coming you know coming through the pipeline again from that positive reframing perspective if you have been sitting there going um, i haven't got enough pipeline i'm not creating enough pipeline i'm not getting out there and i'm not being proactive enough what can I do to make that shift?
1: Sure, no, great, great point. One thing you mentioned it reminded me of people salespeople conducting a pipeline review when they know that they don't have enough in there. One thing that will happen they will they will do anything they can to revive a dead deal. They'll leave a dead deal in their pipeline just because they don't want to admit that it is going to happen and in fact the pipeline review session looks like a scene out of uh, the little movie uh, weekend at bernie's you know when they try to keep that guy alive that that's what it looks like <laughs> yeah. right? it's weekend at bernie's because salespeople don't want to admit hey the deal's dead first things first i've, I've found that tough times are good because they will remove the mask Let, let's yeah. face it during good economic times you're, you can hit your quota just as a result of a good economy and doing some work But during tough times, it's the tough times actually reveal that a problem that existed long before. So here's a a couple of things that I would consider if I'm a salesperson prospecting right now. Here's what our research shows. During tough times, salespeople reduce their selling activity. They will reduce their selling activity, which means your competition is reducing their selling activity. So if you bump your activity up just a little bit, Mm -hmm. you could almost you could almost double your coverage vis-a-vis the competition. All right, so your competition is resting on their laurels, waiting for things to improve. Yeah. The next thing that I would keep it is that during tough times, like right now, I'm sure Australia is facing issues just like we are in the States when it comes to supply chain constraints, labor shortages, any number of issues from the pandemic. What happens during these tough times Customers get frustrated with the level of service that they're receiving from their current partners, yeah. which means their level of dissatisfaction is your window of opportunity now is even I would say a greater time to go out there and prospect and And think about this in the book I, I talked about. Um, prospecting, filling the pipeline. And I came across a study and I I think it has an interesting parallel for salespeople. All right. You know, we always talk about salespeople like going out there fishing for opportunities. Well, this one study showed that was a study of over 2500 commercial fishing um, expeditions, commercial fishing, All right. So The researchers, they analyzed all these different fishing expeditions and they were able to describe the fishermen into two categories, either exploiters. Exploiters are those fishermen who would go to the same exact fishing spots. The other group were called explorers. Explorers were the ones that were willing to fish new ground right? New, new fishing spots, they were going out there, they were more adventurous, All right? That's similar to salespeople who are willing yep. to go out there and prospect. Well, here's what they found out the explorers, the ones who would go out and try new things, try new areas, they would outperform the exploiters. All right, but they would only outperform them during tough times. Right? The commercial fishing world, they face regulation, weather concerns, there's tough times in that industry. Yeah. The explorers, the ones willing to go out there and find new opportunities were the ones that would thrive. You think about how that applies to salespeople, right? The salespeople that are willing to go out there and prospect, to find new verticals to go after, to find new opportunities, those are the ones that are going to thrive during any sort of tough time, whether it's a recession, pandemic, you name it.
0: Yeah. And again, like you said, that's that's a real mindset. And I actually love this because the level of dissatisfaction is your window of opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a a reframe. That is saying, hey, there are things that are happening. Those external events that could be a negative are actually a positive for me because it's Mm -hmm. allowing me the opportunity to have a conversation with somebody that could have a high propensity to change as a result of what's happening in their world. So I absolutely love that. And also love the fact that you've identified that the increased, increase your selling time because your competitor is going to decrease it. So they're becoming a little bit complacent. And again, it allows you that opportunity. So I love this because it's essentially what you're talking about is a mindset shift. Yeah. The the market shift is my opportunity to pounce and create something for myself.
1: mm -hmm, Absolutely. And now, and this may sound incredibly cold, Luigi, but now is the time to go after your weak competitors. (laughs) All right. And I know that sounds incredibly cold, but we got to remember that there are companies that may not survive this companies that are going to get swallowed up. Mm. You know, there's companies that just frankly are that were already struggling before this pandemic that aren't going to make it back. All right. Position yourself to be able to support their customers because their customers need support. And if, if the weak competitors are going out of business, now is the time to position yourself. And I don't mean to be the, you don't want to be the catalyst to drive your competitors out of business, or maybe, you know, maybe you do, I don't know, but yeah, position yourself right position yourself to be there to support them but on the flip side right if that's Mm -hmm. happening
0: in the market where sellers are decreasing their time the dissatisfaction levels are increasing Mm -hmm. and you're the sales professional and your company is going through that turbulent time as well what can we do to double down on the fact that I need to also protect the people that I'm serving
1: yeah you know that's a great question you know and and I want to I want to mention a buzzword right now. All right. And I hear it all the time. And it's misused so much in business, especially in sales. All right. Yeah. The term partner. I hear I hear companies say all the time, hey, I want to or say this to prospects. I want to partner with you from the very beginning. Right. You and and you can't truly partner with a customer until they become a customer. You can't partner with a prospect rather until they become a customer. So when we talk about partnering, it happens in the context of a defensive selling. Uh, strategy, right? Meaning, we can only partner after the sale takes place, because a partnership is about two companies working together towards a common goal. And you can't work towards that unless they are a customer. And so we were very deliberate in that using that word partnership in our book, and in my book, rather. And the interesting thing about that word partnership, all right, partners, all right. The, the term partners is actually a nautical term as well. A partner is a thing that will hold the mast of a wooden ship in place and keep it from ripping the hull of the ship out. Now, partners become especially important during windy, unsettling seas, where the wind is howling, the storms are are coming. What a perfect analogy for when our customers need us the most. We're the partner. We're the ones stabilizing the ship for our customers. And there are several ways that we can do that. One of them is about regenerating value. It's about looking at our customer relationships that we have and asking ourselves, okay, what can I do to enhance the overall experience? How can I make it easier to do business with our company? What does our customer hate doing that I can do for them? Right. Simple questions like that will force us to dig deeper. So we call that value regeneration. And and that whole idea of regeneration, it stems from what happens in nature. You know, when you when you think about, I mean, think about wildfires, right? Australia absolutely decimated with wildfires. I was reading the other day, there's a there's a tree here in the States. I don't know if you have them in Australia, it's called a lodgepole pine. The shell of this tree is so hard, the only thing that will break it down so that the seed can actually germinate is extreme heat like that of a wildfire. Wildfire creates destruction, but it also provides opportunity for us to grow as well.
0: Uh, again, I think, I think, you know, hearing this is awesome because you're right in the midst of crisis, a wildfire, mm-hmm. which can be uh, devastating. Absolutely. There is, there is a green roof, re- things are going to be reborn again as a result right. of destruction and, ca- and crisis and chaos. You know, that that whole term value regeneration, I think is awesome because I, I, I think for a lot of sellers, we kind of win an account. We can become a bit complacent, right? They'll renew, right. they're working with, and at some point the value that we're creating can kind of drop each and every time. Well, and then. so I love that because you're kind of saying, well, what we need to do is really think about how do we serve them even more? How do we take this opportunity to reevaluate what value means to them, and then build on that so that we can cement the relationship even further. So that when our competitor knocks on the door, they're saying, mate, we are partner, we're at level, you know, we're at this level, we're not open to change because these guys are doubling down on on the value they create for us. So I think that's awesome. One thing I do want to talk to you about, like, because you mentioned this, your partnership doesn't occur until you become a customer, right? Until the relationship kicks in, During tough times, if we are prospecting, how can we create some form of value Mm -hmm. in the process so that they see us differently in 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 a world which can be a bit of a sea of sameness when it comes
1: to sales professionals? Yeah, sea of sameness. Wow, I love that. That's a mic drop uh, phrase right there. (laughs) You know, because because things do blend in and they look and feel the same. So a few things come to mind. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to dive into some a little research that we did a few years ago. We did a buyer's study and uh, we, we wanted to figure out, okay, how can salespeople create more value? What can they do to, to help gain a better foothold within some opportunities? And, and a few things came up when we asked decision makers in our study, how can salespeople create more value? The number one response was deliver meaningful, uh, excuse me, deliver meaningful insight early in the decision-making process. So we can, you know, and I don't know if that's anything groundbreaking, I think that's something we've already suspected. But but even simplifying that further, early on in the sales process, sales professionals have to be able to tell decision makers something that they don't know already. We want to get that aha moment where they and, and every time they experience that we're delivering value to get there early in the process and, you know unfortunately customers prospects rather don't always call us and say hey i'm going to begin my buying process right now so why don't you come join in and all that we've got to get there early we got to get there often and we got to get in front of the right people so we asked decision makers again, why would you be willing to meet with salespeople? That was one of the questions. And the number one response was I would meet with a salesperson, because it appears they can help solve a business problem that I'm currently experiencing. That was the number one response. So if we can identify problems and deliver insight, that can help us sell different from the very beginning. Yep. The other thing is, is relying on on you know, the true uniqueness of your solution, you know, the unique selling proposition, that term's been around since the early 1900s by Ross Reeves, an old ad executive, is the guy that came up with it, but it's still a relevant concept today. Customers and prospects, they are, they're asking themselves, you know, Luigi, what makes your solution different than everyone else? They they may not ask that question, but they're certainly thinking it, being able to articulate that and then linking that differentiator to meaningful impact is is the other point. It's easy to be different. It's hard to be different and meaningfully impactful to the customer. So being able to, to highlight that either in your solution, in, in your approach to selling, and then it's also about, it's about proactively taking control of that sales conversation and changing the way the customer thinks the way that prospect thinks.
0: Yeah. And again, you've just you've just dropped a, a few incredible nuggets, right? Because telling them something they don't know, that unrecognized need, um, Mm -hmm. that level of insight and value, that's essentially already going to help them see actually, you know, what this guy's creating some, or this person's creating some value before we even start to purchase from them and help solve a business problem. I think, and, and, and that for any, so it doesn't matter what prospecting strategy salespeople are using across any channel. If we're not focusing on the problem and the outcome, we can help our prospects and customers. then fundamentally all we're doing is feature pushing and we're just pushing some features about what we do. So again, I love the way that you've reframed this to say "Let's let's focus on the insight that we can deliver and really think about the problem they're trying to solve and then really frame up the message that could enable them to see value in taking a meeting or engaging with us as a sales professional. So I absolutely love what you've kind of framed up there. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, and just thinking about this, so again, so you've talked about a a couple of key things here. I love the fact from exploiter to explorer, um, regenerating value, thinking about delivering insight, understanding business problems, and also thinking about kind of the value that you can create earlier in the sales process. Based on some of the studies that you've seen, if prospecting, a lot of people can say, "Well, it's unsolicited. Things are changing. We should be, wait, you know, we should be waiting for the, that them to research us buyers." Are, you know, fifty-seven percent we see studies are down the process of searching first. What are you mm-hmm. seeing from a prospecting perspective? I mean, with the people that you're coaching right now and some of the people that you work with, what are people doing differently? What are some sellers doing to ensure they're constantly filling their pipe
1: with net new opportunities? Certainly less is more you know the whole idea of just trying to th- throw a bunch of messages yeah. out there to see what is going to stick is is just largely ineffective mm-hmm. so it's about becoming crystal clear on what is good business for our company and and with laser like intensity we focus on those opportunities, you create customized messaging yeah. to initiate contact, you build familiar familiarity with those prospects in a social settings, meaning social networking. So you're engaging them earlier on with a customized message that feels right, that is relevant to what they're facing. Now, you also have to create a profile of business that you want to avoid. Yeah, right. And that that's really the distinction between a good and a great seller is good sellers know what to pursue and great sellers know what to avoid because during tough times, let's face it, we're willing to take on almost any opportunity, right? That's as we become more desperate to win business during tough times, every opportunity seems like it's attractive to us and to our company. So it's having the discipline to focus on the right business and then identifying those opportunities that we're trying to avoid. We we call those profit piranhas, all right. And these are the the high aggravation, you know, slow pay or no pay opportunities. Yeah. They they hold information, they they don't appreciate your value, they're not interested in and in really and really partnering eventually with you. It's that's business we want the competition to have. So we got to be clear on both of those and then focus with laser like intensity on those targets and less is more. It, you don't need a hundred targets. You need maybe 10 to go after, right? Yeah. You don't need 5,000 customer prospect universe. You you need less, less is more.
0: This is, I think this is really important because in the age of automation, world of technology where sellers are now getting access to a whole range of tools we never had access to before and we can simply press a button, bang, automatic sequences going on. I think what you're saying is really, really important because that personalization and that relevance in a market, again, we talk about the sea of sameness is mm-hmm. because as a buyer and, and this all the time in the data, they don't just want a generic message. They want something that's personalized and relevant for them and they can yeah. see the reason why they should even consider it piques their interest to go, you know what? This is a problem for me. I like this mm-hmm. message. It's relevant. I'm going to take it. So, I absolutely love what you shared, Paul. I could talk to you um, for hours. I think we're, we're quite aligned. But, mate, for any of our listeners who uh, would like to find more about you, uh, where can they they engage with you? And we'll also put some show notes of where they can buy your book. So oh, great! Our listeners sort of engage with you and find you.
1: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Thanks. So. You know the new book. Obviously, I'm excited about it. It's called Selling Through Tough Times, and it's more info and actually some complimentary chapters of the book yeah. are available for download at uh, ToughTimer.com. So that's the that's the URL. Check it out. Simply T O U G H Timer.com yeah. um, on LinkedIn too. That's by far the most active channel that I'm on is LinkedIn. So just look for Paul Riley. You know I, we can throw a link up on the show yeah. notes for that as well. Um, and then I've, I've got a training uh, company as well. It's called Tom Riley Training. Uh, so that's the URL as well, TomRileyTraining.com, and you can find more info about uh, value-added selling, which is one of our signature programs there as well. Yeah, awesome. Well, mate, I've, as I said, I, that
0: episode with Mike, I'm, I was running one morning, and I'm just listening to it, and I had to stop and get my notes on my phone to take some of the, <laughs> the, the statements that you were you were talking about. Just, this is just incredible content. It's really making me think a bit differently about selling you know through tough times but also creating that right. value and really differentiating myself in in what can be a saturated marketplace so i want to say thanks for the contribution you make to our community and helping elevate the profession of sales and, and i want to say thank you for coming on the q
1: podcast absolutely luigi my my pleasure
0: this show has been recorded remotely produced by sales iq global Audio editing and music production by Stefan Maliate. Show notes by Victoria Matheson and graphic design by Julie Marshall. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on your podcast player. And if you want to find more about the programs we offer at SalesIQ, head to www.salesiqglobal.com.